What is more important, an individual pursuing their personal righteousness, to be an upright and righteous person, or is it more important to um, be of assistance and of help to others? And when one is pitted against the other, if we don't know our value system and our value hierarchy, then we don't know which one to choose. And today's Sicha addresses this very point, which is a fundamental position which, uh, of which different uh, schools of thought in Judaism sometimes differ. And the Hasidic philosophy is very clear about in the hierarchy of one pursuing um, one's own righteousness, which is a very important thing for us to do, to develop ourselves to be fine, righteous individuals, and at the same time to uh, be aware of the needs of others and to be able to live with the great value of Avas Yisrael, of loving a fellow Jew. And this is all brought out um, through a fascinating um, weaving of um, different stories that we've had in the last few Torah portions, and as it comes to a, um, to a head or to a climax in this week's Torah portion, specifically through Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, blessing his sons. And when he blesses his sons, we find that the first three sons that he, uh, that he blesses, he actually doesn't bless them, but he reprimands them. And then when he gets to the fourth son, Yehuda, um, who we're going to be very interested in today, um, he actually does bless him. Um, so, and we're going to focus on Reuven, the firstborn, um, who is reprimanded by his father, and Yehuda, um, who is the fourth son, who is blessed by his father, um, Yaakov. And so to give background so that you're familiar, at least in a general sense, with the stories which are involved in, in today's uh, Sicha, um, we, we first need to be aware of the story of Reuven. And the story of two, two stories uh, that pertain to Reuven. And the one is that after Reuven's mother, Leah, died, passed away, so Reuven felt that um, out of respect to his mother, he, um, his father, who had really four wives, um, and two of them being the maidservants of two of his wives, that he felt that his father should now uh, have his bed moved from his mother's tent to, the, um, to his mother's maidservant's uh, tent. And he moved his father's bed, and that was considered to be something which was a, a, a wrongdoing on his, on his part, and for which he, he sought, out, uh, sought out atonement for many years in his life. Um, a, another story that we know about Reuben is that when Yosef, um, the brother that was sold down to Egypt, when the brothers um, um, contrived selling him to Egypt, uh, killing him actually, it was their first plan, uh, Reuben said, no, 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 don't kill him, don't kill him. Uh, no reason to kill him, why don't you just throw him into one of these pits? And the Torah tells us that his intention was, Reuben's intention was, that ultimately he would come back at the end of the day when the brothers were gone and he would pull Yosef out of the pit and save him. Um, that's another story about that's going to pertain to today's, uh, to today's Sicha. And then we have two stories with Yehuda. Yehuda was actually the one in, in, in the story of Yosef where after he was thrown into the pit, um, the, the, the pit was filled with snakes and scorpions, and he would ultimately die there. So instead of the brothers actually directly killing him, 
uh, throwing him into the pit was just an indirect way of killing him. So Reuven said, so Yehuda said, Ma betza, what gain are we going to have by our brother being dead? We want, to, we want to get him out of the way. We'll sell him as a slave. We'll sell him to the Ishmaelites. And so it was Yehuda who ultimately, um, who ultimately actually saved his brother Yosef's life and, and, and uh, by, by, by having him sold. <coughs> Another story about Yehuda, which pertains to today's uh, conversation, is that Yehuda also had another incident where um, he had a daughter-in-law, Tamar, and I'm going to um, stay out of the details of, uh, t- details of the story and only focus on the uh, one detail that pertains to um, our conversation today. And this daughter-in-law, ultimately, um, Yehuda's first son married her and died, and Yehuda's second son then married her and died. And uh, she, Yehuda sent her back home, and ultimately she dressed up um, as a harlot, and Yehuda ended up um, being with her, not knowing who she was, and impregnating her. And when he found out that she was impregnant, according to Jewish law, based on the circumstances, which I'm not explaining now, she deserved to be put to death. Um, however, Yehuda did not know that it was he who impregnated her, and he was actually, it was okay for him to be intimate with her. And she would not then deserve the death penalty. Yehuda just didn't know that. So she, um, in her great modesty and unwillingness to expose Yehuda, just said that the person to whom these items, which she had um, from Yehuda, um, the person to whom these items belong, he's the one who impregnated me. And Yehuda um, actually admitted, oh, it was me. And that was a great uh, virtuous act on, Yeh- on Yehuda's part. So these are the stories that we need to know as a background to today's talk. The, when, when Yaakov begins blessing his sons, he begins with Reuven. And he actually, in, <laughs> instead of blessing Reuven, he actually reprimands him. And he says that, uh, th- that he says, Reuven, you are my firstborn. You are the first of my, my strength. And he says, Pachas Kamayim, al that because you were um, you were you, you were quick um, um, like water or or, or um, disturbing like disturbed like disturbed rapid waters disturbed like waters and, and Rashi explains to us that was because um, Reuven entered into he, he he was in a state of anger um, and so um, because he felt his mother was disrespected when the bed of uh, when his father's bed was moved to Rachel's maidservant as opposed to his mother's maidservants. He moved his father's bed um, to his mother's maidservant's tent. So because you did this out of a fit of anger, you have lost, um, basically, as Rashi explains to us, your rights to the priesthood, which ended up going to the tribe of Levi, and kingship, which ended up going to the tribe of Yehuda. That's what Rashi says. Now, um, what's strange, what's unusual is that Rashi, um, typically he's quoting from... He's quoting from the Midrash. That's where he gets this information from. However, the Midrash and also Targum Unculus, the uh, Unculus um, who, who translates the Torah into Aramaic, which we have in most uh, printed versions of Chumash, we have his, because we, we value his translation greatly in understanding the Torah. Both the Targum Unculus and the Midrash both say, mention that Reuben lost three things. He lost complete first rights to uh, being to the being of, to, to the rights of a firstborn because we know that um, a firstborn always gets a double portion and we see that Yosef who's only one of the 12 sons he ends up getting two portions of the uh, 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 within the 12 tribes because 
he, both of his sons, Menashe and Ephraim, both, both become an independent tribe. So he ends up getting, Yosef ends up actually getting the firstborn rights in regards to tribehood. Not, so he didn't lose his entire firstborn rights, but in, re, in regards to tribehood, he did. And so, so Targum Unculus and the Medrash say that, that Reuben lost his, um, his first rights, his, his rights to be a firstborn. Uh, regarding tribehood, he lost kingship and he lost priesthood. Rashi doesn't mention the firstborn rights. Rashi only mentions um, um, priesthood and kingship. And that's a wonder. Why, why does Rashi avoid mentioning um, the, the loss of the of, of firstborn rights? Now, we know that Rashi actually, actually himself three times in three different places uh, mentions how Reuven did lose his firstborn rights. So we know that Rashi's not disagreeing about whether Reuven lost his firstborn rights. However, he doesn't attach it to the, the, this reprimanding and statement from Yaakov to his son um, on his, when he's on his deathbed and he's uh, uh, blessing and also reprimanding some, some of his sons. And so we, want, we, we need to understand why that is. So in order to understand this, we're going to jump to another one of the blessings, and that's the blessing that Yaakov gives to his fourth son, which is Yehuda. And when he blesses his fourth son Yehuda, he says, he says to Yehuda, Gur Aryeh Yehuda, that a cub, a grown lion, you are Yehuda, Miteref Bini Alisa, from being ripped apart, from my son being ripped apart, Alisa, you have raised yourself up. What does this mean from my son being ripped apart, you have raised yourself up? So the, the Medrash understand, explains, and, and here it's, it gets a little bit nuanced. Um, the Medrash says the way to read these three words, Miteref Bini Aliso, which means from the ripping apart, Miteref from the ripping apart, Bini, my son, Aliso, you have raised yourself up. He, the, the Medrash reads it as Miteref Bini, those two words go together, from the ripping apart of my son, which is um, Yosef who was almost ripped apart, he was almost killed, right? Alisa, and that was the claim, that was the guys the brothers gave to the father. They said, a wild animal must have eaten up Yosef because they, they, they showed him their, uh, the, the, his colored coat uh, was all bloodied, uh, which, which they purposely bloodied to create, a, to create a guise to hide what they did, which was selling him. But from the ripping apart, my son being ripped apart, Alisa, you, Yehuda, have raised yourself up because instead of um, having him killed, you saved him by having him sold. That's what the Medrash says. But Rashi actually translates it a little bit differently. He says, don't put the comma after the word Bani. Don't read Mitarev Bani from the ripping apart of my son Yosef. Ali, so you, Yehuda, have raised yourself up. But he says, no, you read it this way. Mitarev from ripping, from being ripped apart, Bini Alisa, my son Yehuda, you have raised yourself up. That the word Bani is not referring to Yosef, it's referring to Yehuda. And thereby, Rashi also says, how did, what does that mean that Bini, my, Alisa, that my son, Yehuda, you raised yourself up, that Yehuda, by selling Yosef, you raised yourself up from the accusation of having been killed, of, of him having been killed, because you ultimately didn't kill him. You ultimately actually ensured that he wasn't killed. But Rashi comes and says that when it says, Mitaref, from being ripped apart, Bini, Alisa, my son, Yehuda, you have raised yourself up, it's not only talking about the story of saving Yosef, it's talking also about the story of saving Tamar. Tamar was taken out to be killed because of her, um, uh, of her intimacy in a, in a fashion that would require a death penalty. And it was only because Yehud admitted that it was him, 
when 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 Tamar very subtly um, offered uh, to Yehuda that it was in fact him who made her pregnant, which then released her from um, the capital punishment, uh, but only because Yehuda actually had the integrity and the courage to admit to him before everyone that in fact this was me that that Tamar ended up being saved. So Rashi insists that this verse is talking not only about saving Yosef, but also about saving Tamar, despite the fact that the Medrash, that the Medrash again, does not interpret the verse in this way, and they put the comma in a different place to say that it's only talking about the saving of Yosef. And so the Rebbe explains that these two, um, these two Rashis are actually very much associated with each other, and we can understand why Rashi, the, the, the questions that we're asking about why Rashi doesn't speak about firstborn rights. And why Rashi specifically insists that this verse of Yehuda is also referring to the story of Tamar are actually very much um, will explain each other. And, and that is through understanding something very interesting, very fascinating, in a comparison that the Rebbe makes between Reuven and Yehuda. Because we find that Reuven had the same virtues that Yehuda had. Both Reuven and Yehuda saved, uh, made, uh, saved Yosef, or made an attempt to save Yosef. Um, and both of them did acts of repentance. They showed, in, uh, they, they showed a high level of integrity. Reuven was, um, we, we know that Reuven, on the day that, that the brothers wanted to kill Yosef, um, Reuven said, throw him into a pit. And his intention was, he's gonna, was that he would come back later to pull him out of the pit. Well, where was he going that he, would, that he was coming back later to save him? And that when he came back later and so he wasn't there, um, um, he was devastated. So Rashi tells us that he was spending time that day in repentance for the sin he had done nine years earlier of moving his father's bed, of, of getting angry and moving his father's bed. Which means that Reuben was a man who was, was in a state of repentance for over nine years for something he did wrong, which shows a very high level of integrity. And that's the same thing as Yehuda. Yehuda, um, he acknowledged immediately when Tamar called him out that it was him, or he didn't call him out, but actually offered the possibility of him admitting that it was him, that he acknowledged that it was me. Also an act of, a great act of, of honesty and repentance. And again, uh, Reuben wanted to save Yosef, and Yehuda ultimately also pulled him out of the pit and sold him, ultimately saving his life. And in fact, it would seem that Reuven's, uh, both of Reuven's acts, of both saving Yosef and doing tshuva, were on a greater level, uh, were done in a much greater, uh, more impressive fashion than Yehuda. Why is that? Because, um, f- firstly, um, Yehuda sold Yosef. Reuven's intention was to save Yosef, not to sell him. To save him entirely, Yehuda actually sold him. Sold him, you know he saved his life, but he still sold him into slavery. So it seemed that Reuven's intentions were much greater than Yosef's. Then, uh, then uh, I'm sorry, Reuven's intentions were much greater than Yehuda's. So his desire of saving his brother was greater than that of Yehuda. Number one. Number two, when it came to teshuva, to repentance, so Yehuda's act of repentance was in was in admission. Now it was a great admission because it was in it, it was it was in public that he admitted this. Um, and he could, and if he didn't admit it, no one would have ever known. Um, however, it was a single moment of admission, whereas Reuven, for over nine years, is continuously repenting for a sin that he did, which seems like his his repentance was a, was a much more was a much greater level of repentance. <clears throat> so, when we understand 
that both of them did do similar things. But actually, in fact, Yehuda's acts were greater than Reuven's, although it doesn't appear to be that way. Uh, we're going to understand why that is the case, why were uh, Yehuda's acts greater than Reuven's, and then we're going to understand why specifically the kingship and the um, priesthood are mentioned as having been taken away from uh, Reuven, and why, why kingship went over to Yehuda. And that is because Reuven did, um, there were two things that Reuven did which were not proper. The first thing Reuben did, which was not proper, was that he moved his father's bed. He simply made a calculation that actually the appropriate place for my father's bed would be by my mother's maidservant. Who, who, because my mother gave birth to six of the tribes, whereas Rachel only gave birth to two of the tribes. And he was having name. He was fulfilling one of the Ten Commandments of respecting his mother. However, there was a second issue to what Reuben did wrong. Not only did he make a miscalculation that was actually simply wrong of him to do, but um, he got angry and he did it in anger. And that was a very significant thing. Because he switched the beds and he made a wrong calculation, Rashi tells us that's the reason why he lost, he lost his rights to, being, to, to, to uh, having the full uh, double portion of firstborn. The, the complete firstborn rights. But when, when, when um, Yaakov is reprimanding Reuven in the blessing, he's speaking about his pachas kamayim, about his fit of anger. And for the fit of anger, it was because of the anger aspect of it that he, only lo that he lost uh, the, king the, the priesthood and the kingship. Why so? Because when we understand what priesthood and kingship is, we understand why anger, someone who has anger, cannot... Um, cannot um, fill the role of priesthood and kingship because um, priesthood the job of a, one of the primary jobs of a coin is to bless the Jewish people in fact that's something that the coin would do every single day um, bless the Jewish people that means that they're doing they are doing something which is out of concern for others Additionally, the Kohanim had a, had a job as well to teach Torah to the Jewish people. Again, it's giving over to others. What is the job of a king? A job, the job of a king is to take care of the needs of the country, the needs of the nation. It's very, being consumed constantly with the needs of the country, with others. When a person's in a state of anger, a person does not have the clarity of mind to be able to actually um, serve others in a proper manner. And so therefore, Rashi's insistent that the two things that Reuven lost because of anger were priesthood and kingship. Of course, he also lost um, rights to the firstborn or complete rights to the firstborn. But that, that was not associated with what Yaakov was telling um, Reuven when he was speaking about his anger. And the reason why is because firstborn rights it has nothing to do with other people. Firstborn rights is something that belongs to me as a private person. I'm the firstborn, so I get firstborn rights. And when Yosef made a wrong calculation about moving the beds, right? Not never mind the the the, the, the emotional state that he was in, but just the very fact that he made a wrong calculation means that there was an inner issue that he had in that he simply made a wrong calculation. And so the so the the result of that is that he personally loses something, something that belongs to him personally, and that's firstborn rights. 
But when it comes to anger, anger is something that confuses a person and actually makes them act in a way which hurts uh, negatively affects other people. And that's what happened over here. Um, because of his anger, he actually did something which hurt his father, had a negative impact on others. And that's why he lost rights to things which, which take on the responsibility of caring for others. Um, so why did Yehuda then receive the kingship? Because we find something fascinating, that even though we find that Reuven was, reached a very intense level of teshuva, of repentance, he spent nine years repenting for something which was, you know, for, um, for the sin of moving his father's beds. And Reuven, uh, uh, Yehuda only did one act of admission. It wasn't, an, it wasn't necessarily an ongoing thing. But here's what we find. We find that ultimately, and again, when it came to selling Yosef, Reuven wanted to save him entirely. Yehuda ultimately sold him to slavery. Sounds like Reuben did a much better job, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that because of Yehuda, Yosef was saved. Because of Reuben, Yosef was not saved. Reuben had great intentions, but he actually wasn't saved. And actually, a significant part of the reason why Yosef was not saved because of Reuben was because Reuben was busy with his own piety. He was, he was spending his time that day in repentance. If he wasn't busy with his repentance, perhaps he would have spent more time speaking to his brothers about not killing his brother and having actually saved him. But because he was busy with his, with, with his own uh, teshuva, he went walking off with a plan well-intended to come back and save Yosef. But by the time he came back, Yosef was gone already. Reuven actually saved Yosef. If not for uh, Yehuda, Yehuda actually saved Yosef. If not for Yehuda, Yosef would not have been saved. Another fascinating thing. From Yehuda's teshuva of admission, what happened? Tamar was saved. A life was saved. Someone else benefited greatly. But from Reuven's teshuva, who benefited? His own righteousness benefited. But we don't find that anyone else actually benefited from it. And this is very significant. Um, this tells us, and it teaches us some very important lessons. You know, lesson number one, personal righteousness is not enough of a pursuit for a Jew. But the Jew must engage with others as well. Well, we have to develop our righteousness for sure, right? However, there's something even um, more significant, and that is our engagement with a fellow Jew. And, and, and this takes a very, um, very high precedent in, in our value system. And being that Avas Yisrael, Rabbi Akiva says, Zehu kol kula, that the mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew, of Yahafta Lorecha Kamocha, loving your fellow as yourself, is the entire Torah. That means that when a Jew does something on behalf of another Jew, at that moment, they are connected to the entire Torah. The entire Torah. As if, it's as if they're connected to the entire Torah. So we see that doing on behalf of another Jew is so great and so significant, it precedes our own righteousness. So when someone wants to become a scholar, or I, uh, as I uh, personally have this dilemma often, where there are there, there's a fellow Jew um, that needs my assistance, and then there are things that I personally want to do as I develop myself, and there's a clash between the two as I can only do one of the two at this at a particular moment. That the the the, uh, the, the message is that doing for helping another Jew it takes precedence over my developing my own my own righteousness, and we find something even more fascinating that due to Reuven's being consumed in his own piety, what ended up happening? Yosef ended up getting sold to Egypt. 
and the Jewish people entered into exile. That ultimately led to the Jewish people being in a state of exile. Yehuda, um, Yehuda's acts ultimately saved Tamar. And we know that Tamar becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of King David um, uh, and, of, um, and ultimately of Mashiach, who has to be a descendant of David. In other words, redemption comes out of Yehuda's, uh, out of, out of Yehuda's approach teaching us this profound lesson that the Rebbe teaches us, that in the hierarchy of developing one's own righteousness or, uh, versus um, helping a fellow Jew um, in any shape, whether it's, in, whether it's um, helping them uh, for their, with their physical needs or with their spiritual needs, what always takes precedence is taking care of a fellow Jew.